Welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Today, Apostle continues in the faith series that he has been running during our midweek services as he preaches a sermon titled, Strong Faith. He teaches that strong faith is as a result of putting the word of God to practice, being a doer of the word. Grab your Bibles, your pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. This wonderful night, and I would like to especially thank you for coming through from wherever you're watching from. I'll be sharing something really special and I'll be very glad if you could watch it with me. Now, this evening, I'm going to be talking about strong faith. This evening, I am going to be talking about strong faith. I'll be talking about strong faith. And of course, to talk about strong faith, I think you're going to have to, you're going to have to remember that last time we talked about weak faith, and we also talked about little faith, and we also talked about great faith. And we had established a few key things. One of the things we established is that faith is measurable. Another thing we established is that faith is traceable. Today you're going to see that faith is intentional. Let me say that again. Faith is intentional. Faith is deliberate. Faith is intentional. Faith is deliberate. You know, there are people who say things like, you know, I didn't even believe, but then it still happened. Praise God for God's mercy there. But I'm scared for people who think like that. Because if that's what they continue to do, they will not be able to reproduce the results that they got last time. Anything that you can't trace to something is very difficult to reproduce. Someone would say, but pastor, when do you leave the place for miracles? Even miracles must be traced to something. Jesus traced the disciples failing to calm the storm to little faith. Meaning if they were able to calm it, he was able to trace it to great faith. The advantage with, the advantage with having faith is that you can reproduce something. That's why I want us to see this scripture. John chapter number 14, verse 12. I'm telling you, things, miracles are supernatural, but ideally they're not supposed to be accidental because if they are, you'll be a little concerned. Jesus speaking to his disciples says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Because I go to the Father, that shows you something. It shows you how faith is traceable. 
It shows you how faith is intentional. And it shows you how faith produces results that are not accidental. Jesus is so sure about how faith works that he tells us that if you believe in him, you'll be able to do what he does. If you believe in him, you'll be able to do what he does. And as a matter of fact, he says you even do greater things than he did. That shows you the intentionality of faith. I will say that again. Don't let success in your life be accidental. Because the moment it's accidental, you can't replicate it. Even in a game of sports, there are those who score what they call freak goals, where there's nothing intentional about it. They were aiming to cross, but it ended up being a shot and somebody entered. Usually, they're not able to repeat that. But then there are those, for example, who master an art. Perhaps they master how to take a free kick. They're able to repeat. And that's why we're teaching this topic. So remember that faith is intentional. Faith is deliberate. And we traced little faith to a lack of information. We also went ahead to trace great faith to a person having greater information. We traced weak faith to a person not exercising this information that they have. And you know, with great faith, we looked at concepts such as understanding and the like. And so let's trace strong faith. Let's begin from Romans chapter 4. And we're going to go to verse 18 and 19. Romans chapter 4. And perhaps we'll start from verse 17. Praise God. Now, the Bible says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do, the, they, which do not as though they did. So we have been shown what Abraham believed. He had information about God. He had an understanding about him. And his understanding is that this is the God who calls things which are not as though they are. And this is the God who gives life to the dead. So he already had this good understanding. But let's go on. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. I love the fact that it stayed with him believing. It moved on to him becoming. He believed so that he became. I pray in Jesus' name, may you become that which you've been believing. That's if you've been believing the right way. Praise God. <laughs> and it says, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Let's move on. And not being weak in faith. Notice, the trouble here could not have been a knowledge problem. Abraham knew that he was going to be the father of many nations. Abraham knew the kind of God he was dealing with. But then there was a situation at hand. 
And that situation was contrary to what God had spoken to Abraham. And so the Bible tells us that he was not weak in faith. So it says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. He refused to believe any other reality. But there, let's look at the next verse. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. That shows you something. I want you to imagine there is this you're supposed to be walking on and we can go into the promise of God. The only way, the Bible tells us that it's a narrow path. That shows you that there is really only one way to it. There are no three, four, five ways about it. We are saved by grace through faith. And so here you are, you're walking on that path, and then unbelief is coming in. Unbelief makes you waver at the promise. I remember when we were younger, I don't know why we found it entertaining, but would play this game where you spin round and round and round, and thereafter you would try to walk. And when you walk, you'll notice that your step was uh, not in a straight line. You'd, you'd waver, you'd waver. And the trouble with wavering is that you can miss a target. That's why usually you end up falling or you end up hitting something. And that's the effect that unbelief has on a believer. It makes you waver from God's promise. It's like this, this moment you're this, the next moment you're this, this moment you're this, the next moment you're this. It makes you waver. And the Bible tells us first he was not weak in faith, and then he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But look at this. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. My God. How can it be that here you are, you're experiencing a situation where God has promised you something. And you're not seeing it. But your faith is not getting weaker. Instead, it's getting stronger. There was an action that he took. What was it? He was giving glory to God. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Next verse. And being fully convinced, you could not talk him out of it. Oh, you could not talk him out of it. The same way you can't talk me out of believing that my name is Frederick. I've reached the point where I don't, I don't need to believe that my name is Frederick. That's the point that I've reached. I don't need a special session to believe that my name is now Frederick. I know it. That's the place he had reached. It says, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. So there's an action he took. Because he was fully convinced, he didn't sit down. There's an action he took. What did he do? He was giving glory to God. And we know that that, that very giving glory to God is a faith. So he was giving glory to God. Praise God. So being fully convinced, he was not weak in faith. He grew stronger in faith by doing what? Giving glory to God. Praise the Lord. Having said that, allow me now to mention a few things about strong faith. Strong faith 
is as a result of faith which is exercised. Strong faith is as a result of faith which is exercised. It's faith that is exercised. It's faith that is put to use. You know, sometimes you talk to somebody and they will tell you, and, and maybe um, you'll tell them something like, oh, as a Christian, you must do A, B, C, D, or you must think this way. And they will reply, yeah, I know that, but I don't do it. That shows you there's a problem with their faith. It's weak. They've got the information, but they're not practicing the things that they're supposed to be doing. That will be counted as weak faith. Okay, I know that as a Christian, I'm supposed to be evangelizing. Your, your faith, when it comes to winning souls, will be weak. Because you know you're supposed to be evangelizing, but you just sit down. I know I have the gift of healings. You've never laid hands on a single person. How do you expect your faith to be strong? That's weak. It's weak faith when you know something, but you still don't do it. That's like saying, I know I'm supposed to be going to the gym. And the moment the gym just remains on a membership card, Listen, there are certain things you can't go to the gym and just because you've got a membership card and you decide to sit and watch everyone working out, somehow you're going to be strengthening your body. It doesn't work like that. There's some effort you're going to have to put in. So you've got the capacity to have the biggest of muscles, but you'll find your muscles won't be strong if you are not practicing, if you are not gymming. And that's the same way it is with our faith. There's a difference between a person who's consistently lifting weights and the person who doesn't. I mean, just look at me. You can tell that I do this thing on a daily basis. Praise God. But there is a difference. There is definitely a difference. And usually the difference is simply a person who's been exercising, you'll find they will have more endurance. A person who's been exercising, you'll find that they are faster. A person who's been exercising, you'll find that they are stronger. And I've come to learn that anything you don't exercise loses strength. Anything that you don't exercise loses strength. I can give you examples. I remember when I went to do my master's degree, I hadn't been in school for about a year. It was just a year. When we were given our first assignment, it felt so new. I, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, I, I had to first start reminding myself how to do an assignment. And by the way, that's a trouble that people have, especially when they're on long vacations, such as this one. You find they go back to school because they've not been exercising anything. Their brain has to restart. They have to remember how to cite. They have to remember how to do this. They have to remember how to do that. And that's why you must keep something exercised. Anything you want strong, you must keep it exercised. I'm telling you, it's not enough to just have a degree from the year 1980. If you're not reading that stuff, if you're not reading that knowledge or practicing somehow or, or interacting with the knowledge somehow, you discover you don't know much. Anything that you don't exercise won't be strong. I can give you more examples. Do you know that even just with a car, if your car is parked and you're not running it for a while, you find the day you try to turn it on, the battery won't have enough strength to move the car. Why? Because it wasn't exercised. Anything that you don't exercise. 
that's why in the hospitals, if, if, if somebody is in bed for too long, they get concerned because as long as a person is in bed, they'll struggle with walking even if they used to run. Anything that you don't exercise will be weaker. That's why you find that the moment you wake up is not necessarily your strongest moment during the day because you're from sleeping. Anything you don't exercise will not be as strong. I hope you're getting me, dear brethren. So here you are, you are saying, uh, I have this passion to help people. I have this passion to talk to people. I see myself counseling people by the millions. As long as you're not counseling people by the tens and by the twenties, you won't have the stamina to handle a million. You won't have that stamina. Praise God. No, I'm telling you, sometimes, you know, especially we ministry folks and the powerful visions God shows us, sometimes somebody just thinks they'll wake up one day and they're in a white suit at the crusade singing hallelujah. They've never learned to bring God's glory down in front of 20. How do you think they'll bring it in front of 100,000? Do you know how many haters will be present with 100,000 people? You have to learn to exercise your faith. I became a better preacher when I started preaching more often. Someone would ask, Pastor, how are you preaching more often? I was the chief admin of three WhatsApp groups. Senior admin. I even had people under me as junior admins. Praise God. Ran an effective system. We even had a plan. This day is like this, that day is like that. By the time I started pastoring, it wasn't so difficult. I already knew how to run something weekly. I used to write a weekly letter. It's not difficult now for me to reach out weekly. I, every week. I remember 52 weeks, every week I would write a letter. It was called Dear Mentee. What was that doing? It was building up my stamina. I'm telling you, there are some people right now, powerful people, powerful, so much revelation. But if you were to tell them just to share on one day, they might struggle, even just for 10 minutes. Why? They've not learned to exercise it. Why? Because they are waiting for the pastor to give them their pulpit. But if the pastor likes preaching a lot, they might have to learn to create their own platform. <laughs> Praise God. Are you enjoying this? So all those dreams that you had five years ago, the way you saw yourself 10 years ago, how much of that faith have you actually exercised? Are you at a place where you're stronger in the faith now than you were then? Praise God. So faith must be exercised. So what do we see about strong faith from Romans 4? We see that when it comes to strong faith, like I said earlier, it's, it's faith that's as a result of being exercised. And you exercise it diligently by following God's principles, even when conditions do not favor you. Let me show you a few biblical examples. God is speaking to Joshua. Joshua is one of my heroes when it comes to faith. Joshua, God speaks to him in Joshua chapter number one. And I want you to see what God says. We're going to read maybe, let's start from verse four, five. And God is speaking to him. Let's go to verse five. We can, we can keep going. God tells Joshua this. He says, no man, no man, no man, no man. Anyway, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. My friend, if God tells you no one will stand before you, how, how would you feel? Let's go on. 
peace strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Go on. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Wait here. Wait there. That's just amazing, don't you think? It shows you that to practice God's word, to be a person of faith, you've got a responsibility to cooperate with God's promises by you doing something. Notice, in that verse, let's be honest, he didn't say, I'll make you strong. He didn't say, I'll make you courageous. God gives his promises, and then he tells Joshua to be strong and to be courageous. Of course, we know by grace, he's given us, if God asks you for something, then he's already supplied it. We know that. We know that's the gracious act of God. If he asks you for something, he has already supplied it. And so he tells you, only be strong. Only be courageous. In short, he's saying, look, I'm going to need you to cooperate here. And then he tells him that if you are strong and courageous, be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses had. That shows you that obeying the word takes courage. It takes strength. You have to be courageous. Because there are times when obeying every part of the scripture may not be popular. And he tells him, don't turn from it to the left and to the right. We are continuing to see how faith must be exercised. I want us to look now at the famous verse 8. And he tells him, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, biblical meditation is not, you're sitting and saying, oh, that's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is, it, it will come in, it, it's like you're, you're muttering, you're muttering. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you're wonderful. By his stripes we were healed. That's the way most of them would do it in, in those places. But you're, you're speaking something. And I've realized that one of the easiest ways to meditate is through singing. That's one of the easiest ways to meditate. Through singing. If you're singing, that's why I'm careful what songs I sing. One of the easiest ways to meditate is through singing. Because you are talking it in a melody. Praise God. And so he tells him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do. What did I say about strong faith? It's not just in believing. It goes further to talking. But it doesn't end on talking. It goes further to doing. It says, meditate that you may observe to do. By the way, if you want to become action-oriented, learn to talk it first. It says, meditate that you may observe to do. And it says, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you have good success. Wait, didn't God already tell him you'll be successful? But he's got a part to play. He's got a role to play. It's him to correspond. It's him to cooperate. He already has the knowledge that God has made him successful. But he has to exercise it. When he exercises it, what's happening? His faith is getting stronger. His stamina is being built. Suddenly you can defeat the bear. Suddenly you can defeat the lion. What are you doing? You're building your stamina. And when you face Goliath, you say, who are you? You uncircumcised Philistine. What's happening? Faith is being built. 
Praise God. Praise God. I want us to look at James chapter number 1, verse 22. We're still talking about strong faith. It says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if a person is just a hearer, but they're not a doer, they're deceived. They'll in the end be deceived. They'll be deceived that they're big when they're not. It's one thing for somebody to be talking, Hey, oh, I've got the power in me. Oh, I've got the power in me. I've got the power to raise the dead. Somebody has got a headache. You don't have the boldness to approach and ask, may I pray for you? That's confusion. What you're saying and what you're doing is not corresponding. Do you think your faith will be strong? It will be a pity if we line up before God in heaven and you realize just what you could have done with your faith, but you never did. You never did. Some people think the working of faith is only for men of God. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. It says those that believe, these signs shall follow them. So if you want your faith to be strong, be a doer. Learn to practice these things. Learn to practice them. Praise God. Saints, I'll give you a few examples. It's one thing to believe in the power of prayer. It's another thing to actually pray. I'm telling you, somebody can read 52 books on prayer and know the 16 different types. I'm not saying there are 16 different types. I'm just giving you an example. Somebody can know the difference between intercessions and petitions. They can know the difference between uh, supplications and, uh, and thanksgivings and warfare and that and all, the, and all those things. But if they don't actually pray, What's the use of all that knowledge? It's one thing to say, I believe prayer changes situations. But then it's another thing to be in a situation and say, let me pray. It's one thing to always profess that prayer changes situations. It's another thing where you're in a situation. Here you are. People are hearing you and they're saying, okay, we'll sort this situation. But first, give me a minute. I want to pray. The person who says, give me a minute, I want to pray, I'm telling you, there is something they are exercising. There is something they are building for. I remember one time, there is someone I prayed for. It was very, very, very bold. And they had a very crazy situation. I prayed for them, and it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work. And, well, life went on. The next week, I was praying for someone with a case which wasn't as complicated as that one. But previously, that case used to be a bit hard for me. When I prayed for that person, it was so easy. Do you know why? Listen, if you try all your might to carry 1,000 kg, even if you don't manage to carry it, I think you would have built your strength to carry 500 kg. There are certain cases that became easier for me when I dealt with a tougher one. For example, I had prayed for somebody deaf before who heard, but from that time I never really tried it. I'll just say, oh, all deaf people be healed in Jesus' name. And so, you know, it, after a while, God brought, there was a situation where someone who was deaf and dumb from birth came for a meeting. And I ministered to them that day. From that day, I started looking for people who were deaf. But didn't I always have the knowledge? Didn't I already believe? 
I already did. But there was something that happened when I exercised it. I became stronger in that area. Praise God. I'm telling you. It's one thing to believe that given it shall be given unto you. It's another thing to actually do it. When you do it, what are you building? Stamina. What are you building? Strength. It's one thing to believe in the power of speaking in tongues. It's another thing to actually dedicate the time of your day to speak in tongues. If you do it, what are you believing? What are you building? Stamina. What are you building? Strength. And the Christian life, the Bible calls it a race. You can't finish a race if you don't have endurance. You can't finish a race if you don't have strength. That's what it does. It strengthens you. It, when you build up your faith, you can endure. You can endure a tougher time. And remember, what does Paul call faith? He calls it a fight. He calls this life a fight of faith. He tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. How can you fight if you don't have endurance? How can you fight if you don't have stamina? How can you build stamina if you do not exercise? And how can you exercise if you're a hearer only and not a doer? That's why even in school, you find those set periods, the, the curriculum is designed in such a way that it's got exercises. What is it doing? It's, it's, getting you, it's, it's, it's making you actually use that information that you're getting. And you find you're stronger in the subject matter. That's how curriculums are designed. And that way when tests come, you overcome the test because you are exercising. And it's difficult to overcome a test if you've never exercised. Somebody say glory to God. It's, let, let me give you an example of how you can exercise your faith. Give me Philippians chapter number four. How many of you have been blessed by this? Just put clapping emojis and, and, and all that. And such kind of things. So now, uh, Philippians chapter 4, why don't you give me from verse number 6. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I've got a question. Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that? And you know, you can tell what people believe by the statements that they make. Do you actually believe that it's possible. First, do you believe it's possible? I was talking to someone the other day. They had talked about, I think they had said something and they wrote, I'm just going to keep doing things. And they mentioned saying, I'm not going to live life trying to be perfect. Who says it's possible? I replied with the scripture, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. And I said, whoa. <laughs> you know, there are so many things in the scripture that sometimes we just not believe. You who wants to live a holy life, do you believe it's possible? Do you believe that God's ability can really work in a person and cause them to resist sin? You who wants to live a healthy life, do you believe it's possible? Do you believe that the divine life of God can eat up, kill, destroy everything that looks like death, that light can swallow darkness, and that you can walk in divine health for the rest of your life? You that wants to be free from depression, from anxiety? Do you believe it's possible? Do you believe that the joy of the Lord can be your strength? Do you believe that you can have joy that knows no bounds? Do you believe that joy is a fruit of the Spirit and that Spirit is in you? You that wants to live a wealthy life, do you believe it's possible? Do you believe that God can rebuke the devourer for your sake? 
do you believe that God is able to make all grace abound? That at all times you can be self-sufficient, requiring no aid or support, being able to give towards things will require no aid yourself. Do you actually believe that that's possible? After you believe it, do you practice it? What steps do you show that you've practiced it? Perhaps you're having a health challenge. How often do you confess that you've got the life of God? As um, deliberate and as religious as you've been with taking your medicine by prescription, which, by the way, is a wise thing. How deliberate have you been with taking a dose of God's word and confessing it? Have you, I, I, I don't know about you, but what about certain three times a day I will confess this scripture? I don't forget my point. How deliberate are you about that? And you know, of late, I've been sensing in my spirit that many of us have stopped confessing. And you know, it's one thing to come together to church and confess it. It's another thing to make it part of your daily routine. You're having issues with insecurity. You're having issues with such things. When was the last time you went before the mirror and just said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, if you take more time reading memes that make everybody else look so bad, before you know it, that's what you believe about yourself. Praise God. But we're being told here, be anxious for nothing. Do you actually believe you can come to a place where you can be anxious for nothing? If you don't believe that's possible, you'll not work toward it. It's like you go to university. Do you actually believe that if a person spends four years in university and they clear all their courses, they'll get a degree? If you actually believe that there's some work you put into it. I remember days when school was tough and you just remember that, okay, I'll graduate. I'll graduate. I'll get over it. You've got an assignment due in one hour. You don't know, but you just know somehow you have to find a way to graduate. But you know you won't graduate by just believing you'll graduate. Come on, they ask me this. You know that you won't graduate by just believing. You know you won't pass the exam by just attending. You know that you won't get a degree by just paying school fees. You know there's some action you have to put into it. So you see that you believe first. And then there's action that you put towards that which you believe. When the lecturer is lecturing, you believe his words. You may not agree with them, but you believe that the words that he's speaking are necessary and to pass an exam and getting a paper. And to show that you believe, you go back and look at what he said. Sometimes you look at it five times. Sometimes you look at it ten times. You give honor to the words that lecturer said, whether you like him or not. How often do you go back to the notes? that your man of God teacher. Do you really believe? So it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It's one thing to know that this scripture exists. It's another thing to show that you believe it by practicing it. So what happens the day a temptation to be anxious comes? Here we go. A temptation to be anxious has come. At that point, you've got a decision. Do I sit and maybe go two hours like, okay, let me just be anxious for the next two hours and sit there. Anxious. Or are you going to try and fight the good fight of faith where you rebel against what you're feeling 
And then you practice what it says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Someone would say, I did that yesterday, I felt anxious the next day. Do it again. I did that day. I do it again. Listen, as long as you keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it, faith always wins. Light always defeats darkness. God would not have told us these things if they were not true. Faith always wins. Faith is always counted for you as righteousness. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. And you know something? You may feel like you're not getting the results that you want. But God honors the fact that you are actually showing faith. God honors people who are actually trying to be scriptural. And where they need help, he helps them. So it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So what do you do? The day the temptation to be anxious comes, what do you do? You take it to the Lord in prayer. Praise God. You take it there. And scripture is amazing. It says, oh, what peace we open for him. That's so much. And you take it in prayer. And it says, let your request be made known to God. That shows you that talk it out. Whatever you're anxious about, Whenever you're being tempted to be anxious, you know you can actually talk to God. He's saying, let your request be known to God. Meaning, the panic here to that, to that anxiety. I mean, the, the cure to that anxiety. Is you having this open relationship where whatever it is, you take it before the Lord. You can be an open book. I remember moments, there was a moment I was really struggling because there was something that happened that had injured me emotionally. I was struggling with it. And you know what? I said, God, if it means I have to pray every second, every minute, if it means I'm on life support, I don't mind as long as I'm on God's support. I, I, I don't mind. I, I wouldn't mind being on God's life support. You take it to the Lord in prayer. And then what does the Bible tell us is the result? It tells us In verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's one thing to know this. It's another thing to practice it. And as you keep practicing, what happens? Your faith is getting stronger. Your faith is getting stronger. We have gone to places where nobody knows us. And we decide to have a meeting there. There are usually certain things that we practice, that we know we practice this side, that we know we practice this side. We, we've come to a place where we believe that if we can practice these things, God will come through for us. That's how it is. And so it means our faith has become stronger. So if we receive a phone call two days before with bad news, if you've got stamina, you take it. But okay, you know, with stamina, it's where, imagine you're in a boxing match. They hit you one, they hit you two. Somehow you're not going on the ground. If you fall, you do not remain for 10 seconds. You get back up. Why? You've got stamina. I don't know if you're getting my point. You've got this stamina. And that's what faith does. That's what faith does to a person. Praise God. John chapter 13, verse 17. Jesus gives us a scripture. And I want you to give it to me from the NIV. He gives us a scripture that shows you what you should do with your knowledge for your faith to become strong. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. That's beyond if you think them. It doesn't say you'll be blessed because you know these things. It says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. 
ladies and gentlemen god is raising a generation of people with strong faith but a generation of people with strong faith that one doesn't come by just knowing yes you can have great faith and great understanding but your faith to be strong you must exercise it you must do something you must practice it start from somewhere do something you've got a poor prayer life and you're watching start don't wait for tomorrow start your prayer life is inconsistent you pray once a week start do something you can have all the sermons on prayer but if you do not start doing something, you have a poor prayer life with all that knowledge. And it will be so embarrassing when you get to heaven that you knew so much but did so little. Praise God. I remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Joel reposted, and he said, he said something very amazing. He said he's met people with very little knowledge who made impact sometimes with people who even have knowledge. And he mentioned it's because knowledge in itself doesn't produce results. It's what you're going to do with that knowledge that will produce the results. It's how you're going to apply that knowledge. That's why you find sometimes people are offended. They look at somebody who maybe knows less scriptures than them, but they're making a bigger impact. You know, I, if there's something that I'm never offended about, you know, that those people who advertise their meetings and say, bring all the sick, bring all the lame. And, you know, some people are like, what's wrong with these pastors? They feel themselves. How can they ask for all the sick and all the lame? At least they're showing faith. Someone would say, but somebody went to their meeting sick and came back healed. They probably had more healings than those who didn't ask for the sick at all. Because at least they are trying to do something with the five scriptures they know. But what are you doing with what you know? How are you applying it? We taught on the mountains of influence. How are you applying it? Are you applying the law of curiosity? Are you knocking at doors? There are certain things you ask for. There are certain things you seek for. Some doors you must knock until they are opened. There are doors you must knock. For me, there, there are levels I asked for in terms of, let's say, the healing ministry. Oh, well, I asked for them. But then, they were only unlocked when I knocked on certain doors. What is a knocking? I asked for certain cases. It's one thing to ask God for something. It's another thing to actually go bang on the door when he presents the opportunity. Some opportunities, you have to grab a hold of them. Some of you need to learn to start going to offices which you think are too big for you. And demand the information that you need. Because, listen, for some, listen, there are times when people experience something supernatural. Maybe that person in that office will dream of you. It, that's why it's another. But sometimes apply the law of the window. If you know that you're, there's something big for you that needs that office, go and knock every day. Even if they give it to you by irritation, as long as they're giving it to you. Praise God. You're believing God for a job. When was the last time you wrote an application letter? When was the last time you updated your CV? When was the last time you put yourself on platforms like LinkedIn where you, you can get a better opportunity? When was the last time you did an additional course, even a free course, just to improve your CV? Are you that person who sends the same CV to 100 jobs? No, you don't do that. Or do you even put in the effort to edit it to suit the specifications of different places. When was the last time you went on YouTube? I mean, you're spending the whole, your, all your bundles watching videos of four men dancing with 
with, with a casket or something like that. Oh, your band of spinning. When was the last time you, you went on YouTube and actually watched how to improve your CV? How to nail an interview? Is there something that you are doing with this faith that you have? We've prophesied a major business for you. What are you doing with that small business that you have? Are you improving it so that you can get more capital to start the bigger one? We've prophesied a PhD for you. When was the last time you went searching and browsing for scholarships? What if you find that one? Come on, somebody. People have to learn to take opportunities and seize them. Abraham grew stronger in faith because of something he was doing. What was he doing? He was giving glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Saints of the living God, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I pray for all of you watching. And in Jesus' name, the eyes of your understanding will be opened. I pray that God may strengthen you in your inner man through the Holy Spirit who is in you. I pray in the name of Jesus that you experience the blessing of God in all the things that you just take a moment and just pray in the Holy Ghost. Just for a moment, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pull ando on those Haliente que son diki asinde que lebro o si dikis. Nelebre shandala bababa. Shandala bababa bababa. Shandala and our great Redeemer, glorious Savior, your name is higher than Light of the morning, you shine forever. Your name is higher than the rising sun. Now, I, I want to tell you something as we sing that one more time just for a minute. Now, I want to tell you something. One thing that you must know is that the sun, the sun shows us the natural ability of the world. But we are saying that the Lord's name is greater even than the rising sun. It's greater even than, even if what's blocking you seems to be like a natural barrier. That very thing, the Lord is greater than it. Just lift your hands just for one minute. Praise God. Our great Redeemer, glorious Savior, your name is 
And I know you have been too. Now, wherever you are listening from, we would like to hear from you. Get in touch with us. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0973 756079 or 0977 or reach us on the Facebook page at the City of the Lord Church. Amen.